0: Physical troubles have all kinds of reasons, good or bad reasons, we might call them, but they all start on the spiritual level. An infection might be called a spiritual impurity. What happens in the body is not the main thing, so healing requires knowing more than the body. If a modern MD sees a sick man, he sees the sickness and not the man. So if the doctor doesn't understand what's going on, what the problem really is, if he then gives someone chemicals so the man won't feel anything, or if he finds some troubled part of the body and cuts it off and throws it in the trash, it's probably all unnecessary, and it certainly isn't healing.
1: And I know eventually there's gonna be some doctors come up here and work with me, and then I'll be able to do some things I'm not able to do at the present time, because, like I say, if they refer somebody to me, then I can uh, go ahead and uh, give them some kind of treatment, or. Work with them. I can't prescribe nothing. I work with over a thousand different herbs and medicines, but I can't prescribe it. But I could, uh, the doctor can prescribe it. I have the knowledge. But I can pass it on to somebody else, and then they can do it. See, in my own country, I can't use my own medicine. And this is where they got most of it.
2: This is Rolling Thunder, Part 3, The Healing Light, the third of an eight-part series on the Shoshone Medicine Man, Healer and activist.
1: like the man that came to me, or his mother brought him to me. And he was going crazy. He'd been to Vietnam. And he machine-gunned some little children over there. And he had the stink of death in, on him, so I wouldn't talk to him. But his mother talked to my wife, and so it was, found this was true. And there's some people supposed to die that no medicine man will touch and no doctor can help. So it is, too, we have a choice. We don't have no malpractice suits. Uh, In the old days, a medicine man lost a case, lost someone. The family of that person could rock him to death. Nowadays, a different way, but we say they don't last long. So there's no guesswork. No, if we take a case, that person has to get well. And I don't have any credentials to hang on the wall. I don't have no legal practice at all. And I also say that I don't do anything. And I don't. It's a great spirit's power. All power belongs to great spirit but with no chemicals, that's a problem. See, Tobacco came from here, this land, and it's sacred. It's used in our ceremonies. It's used in our medicine. And the tobacco to us is sacred. They don't tell you that. It's the chemicals they add to it that do a lot of damage to the mind and the body.
0: One warm summer night, rolling thunder held a healing ritual. The day had been beautiful and peaceful. Puffy, cumulus clouds looking like rabbits and sheep floated slowly on a high breeze above the canyon. The hot, steady sun dropped over the hill behind our camp, and dusk was long. As darkness fell, the ceremonial fire was started. Dry field grass was pulled up, and the ground scraped clean with boards and shovels to form a clear circle not far from the tents. The fire burned in a shallow pit in the center of this clearing. Three canvas chairs were placed side by side to face west across the flames. In the chairs sat the three people, for whose benefit the proceedings were about to unfold. Rolling Thunder approached the fire facing east, and the ritual began. Spotted Eagle was his father's assistant. He lit the pipe, placed some sparkling crystals from the medicine bag in the fire, and sprinkled a sandy-looking substance around it in a circle. Dipping his fingers into a can of powder, Spotted Eagle patted faces, shoulders, and chests to form powdery white patterns on those of us who were participating by observing. We sat, Indian fashion, on the ground in a wide half-circle about the fire. Rolling Thunder spoke, and his words were straight and simple and strong. I have rarely heard anyone speak with such clarity and precision. He began with the usual invocation, to the east where the sun rises, to the north where the cold comes from, to the south where the light comes from, to the west where the sun sets, to the father-son, to the mother earth. Then he spoke of man's spiritual predicament, He spoke of the forced adoption of Indian children into white families, the destruction of forests, the testing of chemical and biological weaponry in Nevada. He mentioned war, oppression, jealousy, hate, and greed. This was not politics or protest. This was a healing ceremony. And Rolling Thunder was speaking to the Great Spirit about himself and his three patients and all of us who were listening. He was speaking about health, and he began with an accounting of the situation. It appeared as if he regarded the specific condition of his three patients a part of the total human condition. The three patients were two members of the committee, John Welch and Ed O'Neill and Alice Floto. They sat facing us on the opposite side of the fire, and as the darkness increased, they could be seen only in silhouette. Rolling Thunder was standing over the fire. I watched the light dance, red and yellow, on his face. He stooped to pick up the sacrifice that had been placed at the edge of the fire, a large portion of uncooked meat from our supplies. He placed it in the fire. John, Ed, and Alice smoked the pipe and then spoke again in turn about their thoughts and attitudes and personal conditions, saying what they wished to achieve through Rolling Thunder's help. Rolling Thunder left the fireside and walked over to face them. We looked at him through the flames, and now he was only a shadow. Rolling Thunder stood over John for a long time. John's request at the beginning of the ceremony had been brief and clearly stated. He wanted to increase his capacity to help others, to gain deeper insight into the spiritual meanings of social problems, to learn to work more effectively in group situations, to transcend the usual personality patterns that are self-seeking and competitive. Rolling Thunder used his medicine feather and many times lay his hands upon John's head or shoulders. It was a quiet and almost motionless procedure. John sat completely still, and Rolling Thunder seemed to be moving only his arms. It was dark on the other side of the fire, and I couldn't see everything that was happening. At one point, Rolling Thunder spit upon one hand and held it up. Then he rubbed his two hands together before placing them on his patient's body. Again, he used the medicine feather to make sweeping motions in the air. Putting the feather down, he moved behind Ed's chair, laid both hands on Ed's shoulders, and began speaking to the great spirit. Ed O'Neill lived with a severe physical handicap that was the result of polio. I knew that Rolling Thunder had doctored him several times. He didn't remove the handicap, but apparently he affected the way Ed related to his condition. I remembered Ed having once said to me, if it were not for rolling thunder, I could not live the life I live today. Seen through the firelight, his silhouetted form looked somehow different. An almost imperceptible change in the way he held his head, or perhaps in the way he moved, transformed his image. There was a moment of complete silence. No one moved, and there was no sound in the whole canyon, but the soft crackling of the fire. Then Rolling Thunder made a sudden, emphatic exhalation, leaned forward and began to sniff, but with the sound of an animal, intense and rhythmic, not the sound of a man. The loud sniffs were interspersed with quick, sharp exhalations. Once or twice the sniffing stopped, and there was an eerie howling and wailing, as at the council grove ritual. Several times Rolling Thunder moved far off to the side, to a place prepared for him outside the reach of the firelight and loudly and violently purged himself. It was an awesome proceeding, but there was no sense of apprehension or anxiety, only a feeling of stupendous seriousness and wonder. Again, Rolling Thunder used his hands and the medicine feather. He apparently was following a certain pattern. Again, also, I could see that raw meat had been placed at the feet of his patients, as it had been at Council Grove. Many times the feather was shaken over this meat as though the meat was intended to absorb some kind of negative, etheric substance swept from the auras of the patients. The heavy atmosphere seemed to lift and slowly drift away, and once again a silent calm filled our canyon, and the crackling of the fire became distinct. Rolling Thunder stood now and looked at Alice. When she had spoken earlier in the ceremony, she had asked, among other things, that she be made able to sing again. She had said that this was extremely important to her, and then she had wept. She had been a trained professional singer, but her voice had been impaired by tumorous growths in her throat that her doctor had called little nodules that would grow much larger. She had even considered undergoing a difficult and risky surgical operation to remove them. Rolling Thunder spoke to the Great Spirit. Taken out of context, his words would sound critical of Alice's philosophy— personal and political convictions. At the healing ceremony, however, it was apparent that he was speaking about the state of Alice's health. His words and manner were calm and straight and natural. He concluded the talk by looking into the fire and then into the sky and admonishing in a louder voice that the messengers of fear and prejudice and fascist ideas loose their hold upon this woman. There was more silence. Then Rolling Thunder spoke very slowly. We ask the Great Spirit that this woman be made free to do the work in the world that is meant for her to do. No one moved. I looked at Alice. She was staring into the fire, and her face was stone still. Her head was slightly bowed, as though she were sitting before the altar in church. And we ask the Great Spirit that she be given back her voice so that she can sing beautifully, because that brings her happiness. "'We ask that she be given happiness and joy "'and allowed to give these things to others "'because happiness and joy are important to her. "'We ask that it be that way.' "'He picked up his medicine feather. "'Standing in front of Alice, his body slightly stooped "'and his arms outstretched, he held the feather pointed at her. "'Suddenly from just behind us came shrill hoots of an owl, "'one after the other. "'This was not simply a random owl hooting.' but an owl hooting at our ceremony, or at Rolling Thunder, or at Alice. It was as though a small boy had been hidden in the bushes to cup his hands around his mouth and call out these hoots at just the right moment for the proper effect. If I had been a visitor there that night, that would have been my suspicion, because there was something too focused and too insistent about that call. But I knew the sound had been neither arranged nor expected, and if it were an illusion induced by all the mystery of this enchanting setting, it came to all of us at once. Everyone heard it. I could feel everyone consciously refraining from turning to look. In all the time we'd been in camp, no owl had been seen or heard within the canyon walls. Rolling thunder seemed not to notice. He moved around toward the back of Alice's chair. There were a few more hoots, It was a persistent sound. Suddenly, Rolling Thunder looked up and gazed in the direction of the sound. It was a long, steady gaze. His eyes reflected the firelight. The hooting stopped. It was never heard again. When it was apparent by Rolling Thunder's expression that the owl had been silenced, he spoke. His head was tilted slightly to one side, and his gaze was steady. His voice was incredibly calm. He spoke to the owl, saying something that sounded to me like you over there bringing your negative message. I thought he might not have been speaking to the owl as such, but rather to what the owl represented. Then he went on, directing his words this time to the great spirit, and we asked that this not come to be as the sign has been given, repeating all that he had said for Alice, and asked again that it be that way. His voice and his words sounded to me as if he was mindful of a certain consonance between what is desirable and what is meant to be. I believed I was being an objective observer, but the phenomenon of rolling thunder and the owl evoked some intense sensory changes. Initially, I was startled and uncomfortable because I actually felt that the hooting represented some hostile challenge to rolling thunder or to Alice. But then, when rolling thunder stayed calm and simply repeated in a quiet manner what he'd already said, I felt a tingling on my face and back. I was picking up a sense of well-being and control from Rolling Thunder's voice, his words, and his incredible constancy. When the ritual was finished, Rolling Thunder said simply, That's all. His expression and posture changed, and he looked around as though he had just now arrived here to do something and was about to begin it. If any sensations from that ritual lingered in our minds, a look at rolling thunder dispelled them. Everyone immediately got up and walked away.
2: After his talk at the Statler Hilton Hotel in Los Angeles, Rolling Thunder spoke to a small group who had waited to see him. He was approached by a young man who had been poisoned by herbicides.
1: I understand that uh, you've got some kind of sickness. Hmm. Now, I didn't come here. I want to make it clear to all of you. There's times when I've been accused of uh, doctoring and, uh, and that some people get well. And I don't either do things on the spur of the moment, or not, especially in these big concrete buildings. I got my own way of doing things, and uh, I don't like to work under hazardous difficulties. And uh, and uh, sometimes I do give some advice, but uh, about what to do, even so, I like to help. We naturally like to help anyone we can. But uh, at this time right now, I'm not doctoring or healing either because it's not the right place. It's not the right vibration. I want you to understand that. And there might be some somebody around here got a track of land uh, with woods and place where they'll provide me a place where I can come and after, in my own way, and be also protected from the law. I don't have any paper to hang on the wall, and that's up to them. And to provide my transportation to get there. So it's not a drugstore kind of a thing, where you go around the corner the drugstore and buy your medicine, or go to the doctor and uh, you buy what you want and you walk out. I don't do things that way. And these good white people that uh, want these good things, and I'll tell you, they're going to have to work for it or provide some way to make it possible. And it's up to you and the rest. I talk pretty directly. And, uh, and uh, so I, I'd enjoy myself to see that. Either change the law or either whatever with they know how, or some doctor believes in spiritual things. There's a lot of them I found that I can work with, and, and he can refer whoever he wants to me. And that's the first thing I expect to do from now on. I'm not going to be the victim of any white man's stupid law. I don't intend to be. So uh, you might know somebody like that, or you might know not. Then start looking because there is. In other words, you people get together and make it possible where these spiritual things can be done. And then we talk and do. I like to do things, not just talk about it. But I do like for the people that are concerned to make these things possible, for the Indian to help you. Or whatever it is that you want we like to help you too we're not just uh accept help and then don't want to help that's too one-sided we're not bums we need a lot of help and we like to help those who help us we don't do good for evil either and any of that other false statements and they don't either so I hope I make that clear now in your case and all other people. Another thing, uh, you don't want to harass yourself or put yourself a lot of of expense and come up there where we live expecting uh, miracles because for one thing, it's very cold up there Mm. and we can only provide for so many and we don't have a hospital or even a clinic. And either, up there, I think sometime we will, probably. our place, a uh, certain place, I know. I think sometime we will, in the near future, where I think we're coming to it, on our part. And, uh, and uh, these things, I think, will be made possible for us. And that's up to the white people, because uh, white people got all the land, got all the wealth, and uh, when they want to return some of it, we're not too greedy, and we only want a place to live, place to doctor, and uh, do our thing in our own way, and uh, that's what it's going to take. So it's something to think about. And then, too, when we meet somebody who wants to get well, and the first thing that crosses my mind what you, you've been doing and why you want to get well. Now, the Great Spirit don't intend for everybody to get well. A lot of people are going to die. And so why should we lie to somebody or kid somebody when the time has run out and they haven't made good use of it? And so when I say, what you've been doing, it means how have you been helping your brother? Or have you done, ever done one thing in your whole life really to help your brothers that's what I'm talking about and then if you really want to live then what are you going to good use are you going to put with your life for the extinction and uh, it's not because you want or anybody else want I'm not interested in what people think they might want I'm only in that would be interested in what the Great Spirit might want for that person. So when you go into healing, it's a different thing. You might walk up and heal somebody. Some of you here, I feel it, that uh, healers have been doing a little bit of that. And uh, you better be careful. You better know what you're doing. You might heal somebody that don't entitle get well at that time and his love will come back on it and you'll suffer with them because then you're going to be part of it uh, that's what I mean you better know what you're doing and don't ever do this I'm gonna warn you not like I heard some of the hippies or long hairs tell me they take the sickness within them don't never do that I don't care what they tell you that's not the way to do it unless you think you've got it coming <laughs> the idea is to, is to get rid of that and really get rid of it, not only from the other person, but not to catch it yourself. We even put something on us, something that the doctors don't even know what, how to do. It gives off an invisible ray so that the, no sickness evil can get through it. And so the idea is not to take the sickness within us, like I wouldn't want your sickness, because I'm not. Any, I think I'm entitled to it, and I don't want it. We don't. Uh, sickness goes with it, uh, something evil, or something we might have done in the past and even forgotten about, or it might have been somebody, ancestors up to seven generations back, that done something wrong, and then handed down so we suffer for it. Now I've heard some people say, too, well, that's not fair. Who's the judge? Who made that law? It was made by the Great Spirit. And number seven is effects in all things, so that uh, in magic and others, and in sickness. And so th- that law was made long before we was born. We don't even have the right to ask impolite question, a discourteous question, especially about great spirits of law life. So those things all have to be looked into when a person wants really wants to get well. And so that's another reason too. It's not a quicky kind of a thing, you know. That uh, we're going to kid somebody or promise somebody well. Okay, you're entitled to get well because you're a human being. Well. Uh, Uh, some are and some are not and some haven't suffered enough yet to correct whatever it might have been they done wrong and uh, like I say they may even know it might have been in a past life that things happened way back there up to seven generations that we might suffer from today so those things have to all be considered. In other words, we say <clears throat> sometimes we look into it. And I'm allowed three days to look into it, if I want to take it. And sometimes I know right away, and sometimes I got a privilege to look into it. And then to take someone or not to take them. It's my privilege. But if I take someone, then they have to get well. And. Uh, I've never charged anybody a dime in my life for anything and uh, never sold no medicine no nothing and I never intend to start because I'm not to be bought or commercialized and I still say I don't do nothing because it's the great spirit's power so now what do you think Yeah, you got an infection inside of you. The one thing. Yeah. Now, what is it you think? this time are you feel that you'd like correct it or some advice off I've been poisoned huh I've been
3: poisoned with a herbicide herbicide yeah it's 24D. One
1: of the worst I wish to eliminate it have you been to doctors yes My advice is always go go to your uh, favorite family doctor first. Uh, did they fail to cure you? There's not much they can do. Now see, if I stuck in any court, that would be brought out. And you'd be willing to name the doctors? Had it all be brought out, you know, I, I don't know why they don't want to put me into a court. They don't seem to want me in those places. I'll turn it, I'd turn it on I'd wipe them out if they tried. And the ones that tried it. I'm pretty tough engine, pretty tough old engine.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Nobody wants to you. <laughs> well, that's quite unfortunate. And yet I know some good doctors, too. And I'm friends with some mighty good doctors. I've even had conferences uh, with world-famous surgeons and doctors from all over the world. And so uh, there is good doctors. And just because they fail, there's no sign always that they're bad doctors, because uh, we have some right up where I live. This one doctor refers all these cancer patients, sugar-diabetic patients, to Indian medicine people. But they don't seem to be able to cure it. But been uh, poison with herbicide. Well I think I know that could be taken out of you, but uh, it could be, it's possible. We're not here in Los Angeles, and not here, and uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know what to tell you. I can't tell you to come up where I live and that I'm going to do this. Like I say, we don't have the facilities, for one thing, uh, to take care of a lot of people, and I know eventually there's going to be some doctors come up there and work with me, and then I'll be able to do some things I'm not able to do at the present time because Like I say, if they refer somebody to me, then I can uh, go ahead and uh, give them some kind of treatment or uh, work with them. I can't prescribe nothing. I work with over a thousand different herbs and medicines, but I can't prescribe it. But I could. uh, The doctor can prescribe it. I have the knowledge. But I can pass it on to somebody else, and then they can do it. See, in my own country, I can't use my own medicine, and this is where they got most of it. So I, uh, what I do is, uh, I've been accused of, like uh, I can say of, uh helping a lot of people. But uh, it's mighty hard to do because they make it hard for me, and uh, I hate to turn people away, and. Uh, all that, and uh, yet I can't afford to be gullible either, and I have to comply with a white man's law. So what are you gonna do? Like I say, you get a doctor to refer you to me. That's the only thing I know at this present time, because I don't intend either to be a victim of white man's stupid law. And if you can do that, then you write me before you come up there. And it's uh, best time, summertime, no. But uh, let me know you're coming. And bring this on paper, signed by a, a medical doctor. They can put it down. And if you can do that, I'll take that out of you. I can do that. My doctor will agree. But can I come sooner than... And it better be a good signature, because I'm going to call up down here and see if it's good. You bet. It better be a licensed M.D. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't want no pay. But when it's done, I want a letter of recommendation from him and you. And uh, that's all I'm going to charge Gonna come soon. Well, we're going right into winter time right now. But uh, now, let me ask you this: What are you gonna do for us? I just, just like I said, I won't take no pay. I don't want no money. I don't handle no money. But uh, we're not asking charity. But uh, on the other hand, too, we don't do good for evil. Uh, for the medicine power to work in our way, you really better get yourself together. And not only you're not in too good a shape, but I could even tell you about how long you've got to go. But I don't want to scare you. But uh, anyway, I don't want to embarrass you. But if there's something you think we need, or something you, and, we, uh, and uh, some good thing you could do for us, or even if it's your good intentions, I don't know what that might be. Maybe write a letter to your congressman to, uh, to leave the Indians alone, or whatever it might be. i like to know what kind of brother you are and if you're a brother. But it's not something we just talk about. It's something maybe we can smoke together on later. And to us, it has to be real from now on. We like to have brothers, a lot of white man brothers, more the better. But I'm not talking nowadays about those other kind we used to have, shake hands and then stab us from the back or break the tree saying that from now on, we better be brothers. And if I help you, you better put it on the line what you're gonna do to help us. You think about it, I'll give you a little time to think about it, and you can write to me. I never get to read the letters, but I got other young people up there that know how, and they also understand the big words in high English. So you think about it, what you think you can do, and in doing so, you'll be in better shape yourself to get well. And don't write a letter empty and, uh, well, it's too bad what happened to the poor Indians. Nothing like that because it's happening yet right today. And that's what we're interested in. We're not living in the past no more. We know it's too bad what happened to the poor Indians. And it's too bad today what's happening to us too. But, uh, and also to a lot of other people more and more. So that's what you want to get yourself together if you really want to get well in the spiritual way. And our mission is not just to wait till somebody gets sick or to cure a sickness. It's not just that. And c- the curing of sickness, all sickness start in the first place in the spirit of the person. And if that spirit's not alive and healthy, and if you've lost interest, in the real world or the spiritual world, if you've lost contact with yourself enough where you become apathetic and tired, you'll be tired. And you'll be, then pretty soon you'll be sick. And there's a lot of people here right tonight in that kind of a condition. And they're good people. Uh, I think most all the people here tonight was real good people, but I could tell it that a lot of these people are here tonight not alive. Only half alive, and some almost gone, and I'm sorry for it. But if they're going to come back to life, I want to see them take the first step. They always got to take the first step. And that's why I talk pretty rough to you and a lot of them sometimes. It's not because I don't like you. Ask these others. Ask my own young people. Like I tell them I'm a pretty rough old man. I try sometimes to jar them like if, uh, uh, if they don't uh, shape up. <laughs> so if I treat two people the same way, you've got to figure well that guy must like it. That Indian must like it a little bit, or he wouldn't talk to us like that. <laughs> so uh, now see you smiling. First time I've seen some of you smile tonight. And that's good. That's part of getting well. You uh, took the first step already. Not hard, it? <laughs> <coughs> I'm going to make Indians out of all these, all these people before leaving You know All right. Uh, I think that's long enough now for you. I think I've punished enough. And now, um, so you know, you've always already overcome the first step there might be others. But I can see you really want to be well, and I think you're a good man.
0: is a subject that interests me a lot, Rolling Thunder said, apparently meaning the subject of pain. These things are the price we have to pay sometimes. Nothing comes free. It's my choice, and sometimes I have to pay heavy. He watched me for a moment, and then repeated, Nothing comes free. Everything has its cost. I'm also interested in how to handle these things, he went on, Every case of sickness and pain has its reason, and it's always a price that's being paid, either for something past or something future. But that doesn't mean we're not supposed to do something about sickness and pain. The important thing is to know how these things work. Modern doctors, most of them, don't seem to understand that. A medicine man's job is to look into these things. We know that everything is the result of something and the cause of something else, and it goes on like a chain. You can't just make the whole chain go away. Sometimes a certain sickness or pain is meant to be because it's the best possible price for something. You make that go away, and the price becomes greater. The person himself may not know that, but his spirit knows it. That's why sometimes we take up to three days to look into things before we take a case, and we may not take it at all. He paused for a moment, looked around, and then he called for spotted eagle. There was no answer. Physical troubles have all kinds of reasons, good or bad reasons we might call them, but they all start on the spiritual level. An infection might be called a spiritual impurity. What happens in the body is not the main thing, so healing requires knowing more than the body. If a modern M.D. sees a sick man, he sees the sickness and not the man. So if the doctor doesn't understand what's going on, what the problem really is, if he then gives someone chemicals so the man won't feel anything, or if he finds some troubled part of the body and cuts it off and throws it in the trash, it's probably all unnecessary, and it certainly isn't healing. Anyway, I'm very interested in pain and in relieving pain when it can be done by natural means. There are different spiritual conditions— Every physical thing in nature is a spiritual thing in spiritual nature, so these things can be spiritual helpers. There are ways to find these things and to understand what they are, and not just by the chemical composition. I can take a certain plant, for example, even one I've never seen before, and I can hold it in my hand and understand it.
1: I took up a lot of time here. I think in explaining to this man a few few basic things, few little uh, the basic things. I think I've explained some of the ways that we work and different things to the rest of you. So I'm glad you had opportunity to listen in, because that's the way it is. And when we deal with the human life, it's a very delicate thing, and it's not something to play with. And that's why it was... And uh, been retold many times that they're medicine man, a woman, we are medicine women too, but they better know what they're doing when they go into something. In other words, you have to have the cooperation and trust and faith of that person. We try, first thing we try to do is eliminate the bad ones, or the weak ones, or the ones that's uh, not sincere, in other words. And, uh, elimination process goes on all the time all people just like it's going on real heavy today the dilemma uh, that is uh, dividing people up everywhere
0: more, Rolling Thunder said, clearing his throat, depending on what you mean by more. There is a lot to be done, but then there's no way to put a time limit on it or fit a schedule to it. That answered my first question. It would be easier now to bring up my second. I could do that tonight. One thing we'll be doing is communicating with people. There are a lot of people who want to do something and don't know what to do, and we have to get it together. There are a lot of people ready to learn something, and they don't know where it's at. This is a lot of work. Of course, the pinion tree chaining is still an issue, and that fits into everything, but that's not all. There are a lot of doctors, medical doctors and psychiatrists, especially the young ones and the new ones, who are thinking in new ways, entirely different from the old establishment. Some of our people will be working with these people, and they'll be cooperating with us, As I said before, we have knowledge and capabilities that they're going to need, and they have some abilities and techniques that we could learn about, too. I would like for you to talk to these doctors in Bolinas and Virginia Beach and get the documentation on what I told you. He paused and squinted. I felt very strange. Perhaps it was coincidence, but it was done as if he knew these were my questions. If you meet these doctors, you'll find them very easy to talk to, and there will be more, more like them. They're not intimidated or disturbed by our medicine. They don't have a sense of competition about medicine, and they don't feel threatened. It's not that they understand about Indian medicine, because these things are new to them, but they're open-minded, and they think like we do in many ways. They would agree with some of the things we've always been saying. Years ago, for example, it would not have been our place to go to your people and tell them to stop using chemical preservatives and synthetic foods. We knew the time would come when your people would be concerned about and want to talk about these things. I believe in natural vitamins, he said quietly. He nodded at me. He put down his pipe, lifted a kitten out of his lap, and went into the kitchen and came back carrying as many bottles as his hands could hold. These are the vitamins that we take. These are the ones I like to recommend when I'm asked. I felt a strange sensation along the surface of my skin, especially on my face. It was not surprise or amazement, but more like appreciation. This had happened before, when I was able to participate in some communication or understanding far beyond my own capacity. I felt gratitude. Vitamins are life, a certain life force that can't be synthetically produced. A lot of different things might look the same under a microscope to most people, but there's more to things than meets the eye. There's going to be some way to show that difference though, so that people can see it, like the difference between synthetic and natural vitamin C. Some instrument or some system exists, I think, that will show that, and I have a feeling we'll find out what that is and we can use that too. I have a feeling that's right around the corner. He sat down again and talked about the new doctors and their thinking, the cooperation and mutual endeavour that was to come about in the future. Of course, there are many things that some of the old establishment doctors will never learn, no matter how much chance they have to learn. It might be mainly because they don't want to, but then that's their business. There are other people who understand or think they do almost too easy. They say they're anxious to learn and that they want to know about all these things, but yet they don't want to do the discipline and the purification. They don't want to do the work to prepare themselves. So there's the danger of too much being revealed too early. On the other hand, I know there are many people who are ready to learn and looking for a way, as I said before. If these people come together to really learn, doctors and students and workers who have a real purpose, if they are really sincere and not just curious, then I would be willing to speak.
1: Now, anybody like to ask me any question, Now, like I warn you, I don't have all the answers because I'm not a dictator, I'm not a big shot guru, and they they claim they have. I don't know all the answers, but if I do know, I'll tell you.
2: Oh. I would like to know what you were doing with the feather when uh, there was singing going on and you were shaking the feather and pointing it around.
1: There were uh, some people in a group that were quite depressed and feeling quite badly. And I was putting the power where they would feel better. And I seen some of them start to smile and stand up and feel better. And that's what I was doing. that's part of the medicine, the doctor.
2: Yeah.
3: It
1: seemed like there was like a
3: lot of light when you were doing that, like a big ball.
1: Many people see that light. It's a healing light.
4: Yeah.
3: yeah. (laughs)
2: You have heard Rolling Thunder, Part Three, The Healing Light, the third of an eight-part program on the Shoshone Medicine Man, Healer, and Activist. Selections from the book, Rolling Thunder, by Doug Boyd, were read by Mitchell Harding. Music by T. Nightwalker. D.O. Sage and the White Skunk Sisters, the Northern Cheyenne Singers with Philip Whiteman, Tom Woodenlegs, Gilbert White Dirt, Harvey Whitman, Ross Teeth, and James Redcloud, and Leo and Valentino La Capa. Technical and production assistance by Margaret Fowler, Amanda Folger, and Mitchell Harding. This program was produced by Roy E. Tuckman for KPFK-FM. Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles.